friends, welcome to the Jabroni Show on CFOC 101.9 FM. As always, he's kicking it in Kingston. We got Evan on the other side. I'm in Waterloo. It's looking dark and dreary as usual. Uh, as usual. But what's not dark and uh, dreary is some of the Super Bowl predictions we made, or I guess I made last week with the Chiefs coming through with a big win and the uh, 999 to 1 parlay hitting. I mean, great week overall. The Buccaneers won, though. I mean, the Buccaneers. That's what I that Quick mints of words. You can check the tape. I called them last week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I feel like th- that game was so weird for some reason. It it was... I mean, it was a bit weird, but in terms of, I think, the right team won. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just I wanted to see the Chiefs try something else on offense, but that definitely was the biggest surprise was Andy Reid's lack of adjustments. Yeah, I think it was more it's probably more on the enemy, but like uh, another like way of kind of approaching it was that you know letting Mahomes play the playground football actually wasn't the worst strategy. Like they they did get something out of out of it. I like not even the Bucks. Um, Obviously, their front four was great. Um, Barrett, Vey, JPP, and Sue, I think, all got above four pressures. But, um, man, the David and Devin White and coverage, I swear, so was the biggest part. They were both so good. And, of course, their secondary played pretty well, too. Murphy Bunting, Whitehead, all those guys. No, if they if they could have given the MVP to the whole defense, they should have. But that's that's just not the way it was going to go for Tom Seventh. Yeah, I really thought um, White. I really thought Devin White deserved it. He was so good. No, he definitely deserved it. But you know, I can I can see why Tom Brady got it. I mean, it's hard to deny it. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Well, football season over. I feel like other than I mean, obviously there's hockey but other than that i mean we get some fun when march rolls around for the ncaa tournament but like it's kind of nba mode now more or less no it's full-on nba mode i mean for me i still get my uh football kick because a couple buddies uh, a couple buddies and i were in a madden connected franchise mode where we each run teams and we all compete for super bowls year after year but that's that's all the football i'm gonna get for the next little bit and you know, I'm going to have to deal with it and cope with some NBA action and some NHL action. And I mean, the NBA, I think, is in a really great spot right now. I mean, COVID aside, the, there's so many great players in the league. The movement, I feel like there's a lot of movement. But in some cases, it makes it super interesting. And that's something we might want to look into today. What do you think, Evan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're thinking of it's impossible to kind of label the trades from this past off season as wins or losses for each respective side because, you know, a trade could either have an immediate impact or an impact on the future. So uh, it wouldn't be as fair, but free agency signings, those have pretty immediate impacts. So we feel here that it's probably been enough games into the seasons and teams have their identities by now. And we can kind of look at back at the summer because we, everyone always has super, super strong free agency opinions. And no one knows how anything's going to go. Like, I, like no one, no one. I, I swear, other than the small few of 
the big signings with the great players, you can kind of predict um, that working out, them fitting in. It's it's tough. Free, free agency signings are can be sometimes a lot tougher than trades, especially when they're mid-high class level. Um, so, yeah, we're, we thought it's enough games into the season. We're looking for topics to cover. So let's, let's go back into the months of um, December. Um, November and look at some of the some of the best and worst signings. No, a hundred percent. It's weird to say November and December. I mean, I I was like, you mean the summer? But that's I, when the championship was being played. This whole kind of year has been thrown off. Yeah, I wanted to say July, but I I was realizing that it did not happen in July. I had to do a little brain calculation. I think I think free agency was in December. It feels like all the months. Or a wash, but I think late November, early December, it doesn't even matter. I don't care either, really. Yeah, no, we don't need to go down and break it all down. The season mm-hmm. started when it started, but some of the trades that kicked off the actual NBA news, I mean, some of the free agent signings and some of the bigger ones is, um, did you have one in mind you wanted to start off with? Yeah, I was I thinking we could just there? go down the list alphabetically by team. The Hawks are first. Um, and there, if there, quite honestly, if there's any team that deserves an incomplete grade on their signing, it's probably the Hawks. But I still, Bogdanovich has played like half the season. Chris Dunn hasn't played for them yet. Gallinari is only starting to play now, and he doesn't look great. Um, he doesn't look that mobile, rather. Solomon Hill is playing for them, although he's not a huge signing. Then Rondo has looked pretty poor, too. Um, going into the season, I wasn't huge on the Hawks' these signings. I like the Bogdanovich one, not as much with the um, Gallinari one. I thought the Gallinari one was a lot. And I also liked the Chris Dunn one, didn't like the Rondo one as much. But I didn't like it for reasons of them kind of um, putting their young players to the side, uh, like their um, DeAndre Hunter, Huerta, and... Uh, even like guys like Collins are, are receiving less minutes because of it. Um, that's why I didn't really like it. I felt like they had enough talent to wait another year to grow, you know, add some pieces to kind of keep Trey Young's mind in 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 peace. But um, yeah, the reason it hasn't worked is more injury based. But I also think on top of that, um, I don't know if the Hawks were just trying to get a six seed in the East or a seven seed in the East, or we're trying to kind of compete with maybe not Milwaukee or Philadelphia, but uh, like a Boston or Miami type team. But it, it regardless, it didn't work. I, I just don't think... By the way, Capel's come back and he's looked really good. Capel's um, looked great. Yeah, like really, really good. Um, but it just doesn't seem like it's enough. It feels like they need, instead of like a Dodger situation where you can put like guys who are almost stars around him, guys like KP. It feels like Young doesn't need an almost star like Gallinari. It feels like he needs another star. So I think maybe paying Gallinari all, all this money um, yeah, wasn't the best of decisions. Although I respect I respect a team like Atlanta who was kind of been in the dumpster for three years. Um, ever after they got rid of Horford, Millsap, Teague, all those guys. And, you know, they tried, which I do uh, condone you know i respect them for it, but again it, i feel like it's also pretty incomplete the grade if i were to give them one 
No, I definitely agree with you on the incomplete status. I mean, it's a sad time for Hawks fans, just be- not because of the team. Like, the team is on an upward swing, but just as where they've been. I mean, I saw a TikTok this morning of a guy late at night watching Jeff Teague highlights on the Hawks, and <laughs> the caption was down catastrophically bad. Yeah. I mean, it's that is, it's, pretty, that is pretty catastrophic. Yeah, I mean, once you're watching Jeff Teague highlights highlights to remember when your team was good and playing winning basketball, I mean, I do like the moves they made, but they haven't looked as great. I mean, Chris Dunn, we talked about that we enjoyed. We thought he was going to add some great defense and show things up. Gallinari, we were like, "Eh, I don't know. We've got great young players here like Cam Reddish, who's looking to grow. DeAndre Hunter's looking to grow. Kevin Hoyter's looking to grow. And they just, I feel like they jumped the gun a little bit. Yeah, They wanted... It's all about justify. I feel like it's all about justifying that Trey Young swap with Doncic, and they just keep doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down, and I feel like they just need to let things develop. It's been such a small amount of time. Trey's obviously a great player. He's obviously not as good as Doncic, and they need to accept that and start building the team kind of that way. I think instead of trying to constantly compete with that Doncic narrative. Mm-hmm. Another side to the all of the. Um... John Collins or Sam Amick from the, I think, Athletic, um, the Hawks basically said, like, okay, we're we're considering uh, trading this guy. Um, I don't think they're going to trade him this season because I just don't know how. But, like, we were saying it, the, the young guys could go sour. And I know Collins has had um, riffs in the locker room about how the Hawks play or, or used to play um, with the young dominating the ball so much. That's another effect of it uh, that we're seeing kind of move this morning. I don't think Collins will get traded though, but I also do think that Collins is is also their second best player, and that maybe they should they should um they should try to incorporate him or care more about you know him. I I think he's a great player. Yeah, I agree that's... with you on that front. And I think he'd look great on like imagine Collins on Boston right now. Yeah, that's what that's what the rumor I quite literally just saw. Uh yeah. No. I think Collins will really only see how good he can be once he leaves Atlanta, but yeah. Um next team I wanted to go to, if we're just going in alphabetical. There weren't big signings, but for a guy like Danny Ainge, um, you could say that you expect something more, especially when Hayward leaves and Kyrie left the year before. Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague has not been working out for Boston at all. You forgot they drafted the GOAT at 26th overall, though. Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, that no, that's helped. Peyton Pritchard's cooled off. But, um, I mean, like, Pritchard's getting minutes over Teague. Uh, so is Carson Edwards, I believe. And then the Thompson signing wasn't bad. It just felt like the Celtics were in the trade market for a center for so long. They definitely had an opportunity to get Miles Turner, who's playing amazing right now. They definitely had an opportunity. They definitely had an opportunity to get Andre Drummond, who may not have fit their roster, but is playing well regardless of what you want to say. So from that standpoint, it did. Danny, Danny missed pretty big. He also, like, even letting um, Wanamaker go. Um, I mean, that's, like, it's not... They had, yeah, they had a really bad offseason, and it's showing. No, the worst part is definitely the Miles Turner trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
he's looked unbelievable this season. He hasn't been an all-star per se, but as far as being a rim-running big man who can also shoot the three, I, I, it's just it would have I think like risen Boston ceiling up to a potential to be a uh, team that's contending to go to the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, the the Celtics the Celtics just missed. I, I don't think it's it's almost not even worth talking more any about. It's not a disaster. It's just. It's one of those when you go back in 2020s, either hindsight or whatever they say. But um, yeah, they 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 should have gone a different way. Um, the Brooklyn Nets not really worth talking about. They, I mean, they re-signed Joe Harris, which was worth it, and they got Jeff Green, which was also worth it. Um, next team, Charlotte, Gordon Hayward. This is this is actually a tough one to rate in my opinion still really i think i've got a clear rating in my mind i i don't know i give it like a like a c a c plus just because well he's 33 this is the first year of his contract and you're still paying him that much but like charlotte and i'm not saying charlotte's good because they're not they're 13 and 14 lamello's been playing great uh too but charlotte's looked as good as they've looked in the past Right now, currently, they're looking better than they've ever looked with Kemba. So, and they have a better roster. That's not Kemba's fault. So, in a way, like I don't, the signing could could does make sense if it puts them on the right track. I just I think after the end of next season, you're going to realize that you have Hayward as a 35 year old on tap for two more years at 60 million and yeah that's not great but um i don't think it deserves all the hate we were giving it in uh in december because like again yeah they've the charlotte i don't remember a time where when charlotte's looked this good i mean hayward's almost a 50 40 90 guy this year Mm -hmm. and that's something i don't think anybody saw coming maybe maybe not even hayward saw it coming himself and the craziest thing is that, I mean, yeah, he's almost a 50, 40, 90. He's just on the precipice of it. He's 48, uh, 42, 86. And why I like this trade for that, I mean, not the, the signing now in more retrospect, is the situation it gave LaMelo to come into. He was not the best player on the team. He wasn't even close to it. He had a clear path where he had to actually be coached to be able to work his way into the lineup. There's guys like Gordon Hayward who can command that type of, uh, like where he can take those shots and it makes sense because he deserves them based off how he's playing. And there's nobody's going like, why is coach giving this guy more minutes to me? Whatever, whatever. There's people who deserve to be out there that he works well with. And I think the way that him and ball kind of mesh on the court works perfectly. And they're all guys who like to tra- uh, swing the ball around almost in this like, this is definitely a stretch, but in that kind of sweet Boston era when they made that run to the finals and with the, and there was the whole soul box thing going on with Brad Stevens. They just love swinging the ball around. And the funny thing is this team is full of all the Boston rejects. We've got Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier. I mean, it's just... It's just, it's. I, I think that this has made them fun, not only fun to watch this year. I mean, how many ga- Charlotte games have you watched this year? I've seen like probably four now and last year i watched zero 
Yeah, I mean, I've seen all the games they played with the Raptors, but going back to your point about Melo, I think I think that's such a good thing to raise because I don't think Melo would have, like, not necessarily Melo would have played poorly or something if he didn't have the Hayward. And him and Hayward haven't even played all that many games together. But, like, given Melo's skill set and what he thrives on, I think having some already established talent or skill and guys who can handle the ball on your team before he got there instead of just giving him the keys right away. And I didn't mind him coming off the bench either. I think I think that was a great move um, for him and the Hornets. Yeah, I just think they've handled, they've handled things correctly for the past four months. So I, I'll give credit to them. Yeah, and I feel like we need to give credit to them because this is the first time I feel like you can say those sentences and I don't even I can't even remember when the last time I would have been able to say Charlotte handled this offseason well. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, they're thirteen and fourteen. They're in the play-in. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, the next oh, two teams. Trust, they're not a contender by any means, but as far yeah. as building up to one, I think they've made the right moves. The next two teams aren't worth talking about. Those are the Bulls, who just signed basically Temple, the Cavs, who signed Dotson and Thonmaker. Um, the Mavs are not worth talking about either. They did a lot in free agents. They did a lot in the trade market, but not free agency. Um, Nuggets, again, not worth... The Pistons are an interesting one because two of their signings hit big, big time. Um, well, actually, I wouldn't say... Yeah, two, two of their signings hit big time. The other ones didn't hit, but anyways, they went for... They had a big haul. They signed uh, Wayne Ellington, Jeremy Grant, Frank Jackson, Josh Jackson, Jill Okafor, and Plumlee. Plumlee and Jeremy Grant got pretty decent. Well, Grant got a big contract. Plumlee also got a big contract. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Okafor got a bigger contract than he deserved too. Um, we're definitely going to talk about Jeremy Grant first just because... Um, just because he's actually been good, I think he's he's my most improved player right now. The three-year, sixty million deal isn't like all of a sudden a bargain, but it's that's they probably got him at market value. I, I guess. I think. I mean, I heavily criticize the signing, especially in the way that they let left Christ, uh, Christian Wood walk. Mm-hmm. Which it still doesn't make sense why they didn't just keep both of them. Yeah, that's the thing that makes. There's nothing that forgives undervaluing Christian Christian Wood, also because he signed a what like a three year forty. Yeah, they could have left out Plumley and Okafor and picked up Christian Wood, and I think they'd be in a much better position than they are right now. But with that being said, mm-hmm. the Jeremy Grant, I was wrong. I mean, I, I think Denver would be lucky to have him right now, but there's no way they could have afforded him at this price. And he's made Detroit interesting. I wouldn't say they're quite yet fun to watch, but they, there's some there's something there with it. And good for Jeremy Grant. Good for betting. He should be the him and Fred, Fred Van Vliet, the CEOs of Bet on Yourself. Great for them. Yeah. Um, also, just a quick one. I wouldn't mind touching on the Josh Jackson signing. I'm they like the first to write off when these super high draft picks start bouncing around. Um, by the time they're in their 
maybe fourth year in the league. He's in his fourth year of the league now. So I'm speaking about guys like Stanley Johnson, guys like Dennis Smith Jr. Once they start bouncing around, like in my eyes, like it's just over for them. And I know he's playing in Detroit, so it's not this like, oh, he's playing so well. And I know he's not even playing great either. But um, Josh Jackson's looked good in Detroit. So that's another, you know, signing that they deserve an ounce of credit for. Uh, it still feels tough to get over the Plumlee Okafor, Okafor ones, though. Especially, especially when Christian Wood left. No, from what I've heard listening to uh, intelligent uh, people from around the league is that um, Josh Jackson maybe had some attitude, not issue, uh, maybe some attitude issues in some of his past teams, and he's kind of look to mature and finally try to become that player he was touted to be while he might not reach there. I think there's definitely a place in the NBA for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he probably, yeah. I mean, he needs, yeah, he needs to be playing this way and acting this way if he wants to play in the NBA. But nevertheless, give him credit because he is. Um, The Warriors didn't sign anyone major. Uh, Just Kent Bazemore, Brad Wanamaker. Um... Yeah, I I don't I don't think it's even worth. They thought they had Clay at that point. I mean, yeah, it's not worth going into. I don't think. On the other one, hand, a, a team, have, sorry, go for it. I was going to say this next team I think has made some, I some great signings, and some great snipes, and I'm excited to see what you think of who they picked up so far this year. Oh, the Rockets. Yeah, the Rockets. Um, the Sterling Brown signing was good. Cousins one is indifferent. I just don't think Cousins is that good of an NBA player anymore. Although they did need big men, I guess. And Cousins hasn't been great this season either. Um, but the the Brown, Jay Sean Tate, and Christian Wood signings were like all very good. Um, getting Jay Sean Tate on a three year, I think it was a four point seven, is like, um was crazy. Basically, if he, like, knocks down more threes, he's immediately just a really good um, 3 and D player. I always like Sterling. I want to see what Sterling Brandon can do more in Milwaukee. Um, he's not doing too much in in Houston, but he's hitting his shots, and um, he's a good defender. Um, again, the Christian Wood thing is the biggest steal. It seems like an obvious steal. We loved it. We thought he deserved the money. The Cousins one's just a miss. I, I think, I don't know what he's, you could maybe kind of argue that it was good for, like, as Wall was coming in, it was good for kind of the raw, like the roster's um, personnel, like not performance. But um, he's just, Cousins just isn't good anymore, man. But they also got him on 2.3 mil. So there's nothing bad to say about that, I guess. Man, the cousin's turn has been sad. He was so dominant. That yeah, and the NBA, the NBA also changed though. Like he just didn't he he couldn't adapt because he, he cousins was never able to play defense. Mm-hmm. But just those, I mean, even that first run with him and uh, AD in New Orleans was so fun to watch. And since his injuries, he I, even though he just hasn't had the end of. I would hate for any superstar to be plagued by injuries like this and have to end their career kind of scouring from team to team, picking up low-budget contracts. 
and he has had some good games but as far as being a championship level player or a big guy on the team i think those days are past him which is too bad to say yeah he was never a superstar honestly he never had success on the kings the kings were never good but he was he was definitely an all-star um it's a shame that the injuries took away his speed because man he's slow and it's if there was like one thing that he was already struggling on it was like pick and roll defense and just overall effort and energy on defense um and yeah no his his speed is gone and so is that aspect of his game that's what hurts because it, it feels like you almost can't have him out on the floor sometimes um but, which is kind of a ridiculous which would have been a ridiculous thing to say um four years ago because you would have argued yeah well he's not a great defender but his offensive skill would have made up for it it's not it's not the case anymore unfortunately but the guy they did sign up who does bring the hustle and bustle on defense, Jay Sean Tate, you spoke on him in a little bit, but I think I might be a, a little bit to a lot a bit higher on him than you. I don't think he's any future all-star by any means, but how did nobody have this guy before? Yeah, I, that's the right way of approaching it. And and you can see it just by the 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 contract, the... um. Yeah, three point three year, four point seven. It almost doesn't even matter how 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 good he gets. Um, he already plays amazing defense. So you know, just on that, if he literally just starts knocking down triples, that's uh, it's automatically just one of the best contracts in the league. And the Rockets have been good at finding those guys lately. Um, I think he's fallen off this season, and I'm actually thinking I'm going to forget his name, but. They have another guy who they found in the same light. Um, maybe I will forget his name. I'll list some names off. Maybe Ben uh, McLemore. Um, no, but he played well. Um, Daniel House Jr. Yeah, so I'm thinking of Daniel House Jr. He was really, really good, I, I found. And it felt like they kind of more or less got him out of nowhere. Um, and I think I'm... Uh, yeah, I can't think of the other guy, but yeah, no, they're good at they're good at finding these these wings, um, the undervalued wings. They've been good at it, and yeah, Sterling Brown on the same note is is also like in that category of under of under um undervalued wings. What I like, they I guess it counts as a free agency, a free agency signing technically. They got um no one really talked about it. Everyone talked about Kevin Porter Jr. getting released. No one talked about who picked them up. Uh, the Rockets did. So again, I, I like that one a lot. Um, he has way too much skill f- to not give another chance. Kevin Porter Jr. does. So that's another little add-on to the end of it. Yeah, no, he's definitely going to have to, I think, change his attitude if he wants yeah. to make it at the NBA level. I mean, for example, in the NHL, there's currently a situation going on with a player named uh, Tony D'Angelo who last year as a defenseman scored 53 points in something like 70 games. Outstanding numbers. He's making $4 million a, deal, a year, which is a steal for a defenseman of his caliber. He was cut by his team because his teammates don't like him. He's mm. caused so much trouble. So this is not his first team. This is in his second team. He's had issues at every single level like Porter Jr. has. And he even made the NHL and had an impact, had a great impact, top four defenseman but he is too big of a pain in the neck for teams to deal with and hurt their locker room too much. He's been cut. He made it through waivers. Nobody picked him up for free, and he might never play in the NHL ever again. 
Yeah, no, that yeah, that's a cautionary tale, I guess. And it's not even like he had one incident where anything big happened. It's just a strip. I mean, in junior and stuff, he did have some really bad incidents that I won't go into right now because it's off topic. But in the NHL, essentially, he got punched by his goalie and then he got released. The goalie started the fight with him and the team was like, yeah, this was his fault. That says a lot. That says a lot. So you don't want to end up like those guys. Porter Jr., you have so much talent, so much potential. I know you don't listen to the Jabroni show, but there's a spot for you in the NBA if you find it within yourself to take it. Yeah, I think Porter Jr. may not have as much of an attitude issue. I think he's a bit on the... um, I think he's a bit on the crazy end. He was doing some crazy stuff on social media over the summer. Um, And... The reason, yeah, the reason he did get released was that he 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 threw his stuff all over the rock locker room and threw a fit. Um, after finding out his locker got moved, yeah, just maturity issues. I he worries me a bit because I think I think he I think he may be a bit crazy. I forget why he couldn't finish the season off at USC. I know he got suspended for a couple games. Um, but yeah, no, that's hopefully he figures it out because he's wildly talented. Uh, moving on the next two LA teams, I'm going to give them a similar grade. They did kind of different, but similar things really. Well, we can start with the Clippers, um, Batum and Ibaka. I feel like it would be hard not to give them an A here. Uh, Batum has been great. That was the perfect person they needed when they lost Mo Harkless and Michael Green, I thought. I don't know about that. Maybe the Clippers are undervaluing how important those guys are. Those guys play a lot of minutes, especially when they have injuries. Um, but they kind of made up for both of them in, in with a better signing in Batum, which was a really big chance because Batum hadn't really Batum hadn't shown that he was really a good player for man like three four years, um, and then Ibaka just seems like he works better than Harrell, regardless of whether who puts up more numbers on the stat sheet. Um, just in pick and roll in late defensive situations. Ibaka just works better for them with Harrell. So from that kind of perspective, that 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 was a great upgrade too. Um yeah, it's uh, yeah, so yeah, no, anyways, I give I give them an A. I thought their losses hasn't their losses haven't affected them and their gains who they haven't spent much money they didn't spend much money on they were kind of cash strapped um have been great for them too yeah i don't know what happened with batum but he just decided to start playing again i don't know going from charlotte to the clippers going from playing with um uh kemba and bismack to playing with um Kawhi and paul george will do that to you man yeah so he he averaged a 3.6 points a game last year. Now he's back up to 10, which is kind of a, around his career average and what he's been doing. So it's been a great signing. His assist numbers have gone down throughout his career and they continue to go down this year. But that's just because he doesn't really have the ball in his hands that much because Kawhi's kind of moved into that great uh, playmaking area, which we haven't spent too much time on this year, but he... He has been moving that way. So, yeah, I think it would be hard to give him anything but an A. It's sad to see Ibaka leave. I think if we had him instead of Baines, like watching that game against Valanchunas, where Valanchunas, I think, had like 20 and 20. 
Ah, it was it was it was hard Tough having Baines out there seeing him first. Our, I loved Valanciunas when he was on the team. We needed to trade him for Mark to win the championship, but that was tough to watch. Yeah, tough he might to have watch, broken, no broken Wilt's record in like fifty and fifty if we kept Baines in there. Like it's mm-hmm. not looking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So moving across to the other LA team, they did in a way some similar stuff. They basically signed a wing like Batum and Wes Matthews. And then they added two big men, Marcus Sol and Harrell. Um, they everything also panned out for them in free agency. Um, letting Rondo walk, I think, was was a, was a smart. And then people have been up and down on Gasol's performance, but I don't think people really knew what they were getting when Gasol, like us Raptors fans knew that he just, in terms of production, he wasn't giving you anything, anything, anything on them anymore. He was just on the floor as the fifth guy and he would bring a great flow offensively, make great decisions. And then on, on defense, obviously his IQ was off the charts. Um, Great on rotations, great on switches, great in pick and roll. And then um, he was great on the, the guys like Embiid. I think the Lakers fans thought that maybe he, they were getting someone else, maybe like a 13-point-a-game score and an eight-rebound guy. Uh, they didn't, and they are not getting someone else. So the Gasol one I'm, I'm, um, I'm easy on. I think he was a good replacement for uh, – I think he was a good replacement for McGee and or um, Dwight. I, I don't know if Dwight – Another year, Dwight would have worked all that well because, uh, for whatever reason. But then the Harrell signing, um, their bench just becomes much better, and they get a bit more offensive relief, uh, which is never bad with with a team like LeBron James. I think Harrell and AD work well on the floor offensively, which helps. Um, Harrell gives you what he what you expect every game, which was also nice. Um, and then the West Matthews is just another good wing signing, but the Harold thing, I, I just want to add, I feel like people are big on him right now. People are big on that signing right now. We won't know exactly. We know Ibaka is going to show up in the playoffs and he's going to be playing their last fourth minute quarters. We don't know if Harold is. So from that, like from that perspective, Harold signing is good, but the Lakers are, they're focused on the playoffs. LeBron hasn't been focused on the regular season in seven years. So I just want to see if Harold can stay on the floor um, in the playoffs, can improve his defense a bit more, can show that he can play along with AD and LeBron in the last minutes. But other than that, yeah, the the Lakers deserve kind of a similar rating to the Clippers. Um, Every one of their signings has been great. No, I'm totally on board with you for that. But the only thing I did want to hit on was as far as the Marcus Gasol signing in lieu of JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard is I think this team is what LeBron has wanted to play. I mean, so many smart players on this team now with Marcus Gasol there in that role. He's just a such an intellectual player. And even though he's not nearly the physical specimen he used to be and have the speed and just his overall game has diminished just because of his age, but his mind is sharper than ever. And some of the movements he makes and some of the plays and screens he sets are unbelievable. And then the passing ability adds is still there. And it's something I'm, I think we miss on the Raptors too. Mm-hmm. For sure. There's yeah, definitely def- an 
the reaction to the uh, Boston series because he did look washed up in that one. Yeah, for the, sure. Yeah, that is true. The defensive, the defensive sturdiness is always nice. Um, yeah, uh, LeBron. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It feels like, and we were talking about it when it happened. These signings were like, in a way, the opposite of the way they went last season, and it it kind of shows you that. Although you kind of think surround LeBron with one other superstar and then shooters, you can you can surround LeBron with um with a bunch of different type of players as long as as long as the other players are, are can play a bit of defense and can shoot a little bit, he can go in different directions. So the, I think from another standpoint, it's been cool to see how much the Lakers have changed in just one year and even less than one year because they won the championship with Dwight and Javale what what like five months ago. But um, yeah, it's kind of neat to see that, um, yeah, this different, this different um, way of going at it worked. And credit to them for getting Harrell on such low money and stealing him from the Clippers. Because again, regardless of his fourth quarter uh, performance, he helps the Lakers make it to the playoffs, and he helps. He's going to help in the Lakers in the playoffs at one point. No, 100%. And if he can't stay on the floor for the whole thing like you mentioned, he's going to have a moment there that Lakers fans won't forget, I feel. He'll make some sort of shot, some sort of clutch rebound that's going to go down in Lakers history if they have another run like they did last year. Mm-hmm. He's also helpful because um, not cause, not in like the, the long-term AD injury. Like Obviously, he's helpful if AD gets injured for the rest of the season, but he's helpful because AD gets a lot of these two-game injury tightness stuff, so he's also helpful in that back. So yeah, no, Harrell was Harrell was good. And then as far as, I think it's important to keep guys on the roster are hungry. Mm-hmm. Guys who are looking forward to the next one, like Harrell will be this year, especially when they go against his ladder clippers. Definitely. Yeah, so maybe let's move on to the team the Lakers beat in the finals. The Heat. I had an interesting offseason. Um, there was kind of theirs was kind of marked by signing Dragic to a lot of money, which I did feel like they had to. And he is that good, by the way. But th- there was th- their offseason kind of felt like it was marked by the people they let go. Um, so that's Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. And they replaced them with Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless. Bradley hasn't played yet. So I think he's played a couple games. So say what you want, um, but they didn't. They didn't do well for themselves. I think letting Crowder go was maybe a bigger mistake than they expected. Like I would have, I would have traded away someone like Myers Leonard or let Myers Leonard go, just to retain enough cap to sign Crowder. Um, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they're kind of stuck in the middle. And they definitely were expecting Giannis to be available as yeah, well. Yeah, another, another good point, sorry. With the way the money was set up there. So they, I don't think they took the swing here because they're trying to hit a home run next season. Yeah, you're actually right about that. Crowder would have cost them three years of salary. So that's actually a good point. If Giannis had signed before the offseason, I think we'd see Jay Crowder back in Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably agree with you. 
and I mean, moving on to the team that kiboshed those plans is the Milwaukee Bucks, who had an extremely active offseason, signing Jalen Adams, DJ Augustine, Torrey Craig. Uh, Bryn Forbes, and- Bobby Portis. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was one that a lot of people thought they could have done better this the the off season um right away i liked it just because i liked portis augustine craig and forbes they're all likable guys they're all kind of fine but they give you like they're they're like okay but like a good okay almost um they're hitting they're hitting their threes but it still feels like i don't know milwaukee could have done a bit more but the guys they did sign did did and do make sense and they're playing okay milwaukee uh struggle isn't the right word i believe they're 16 and 10 but they they should be playing a bit better they should have a better record in my opinion so maybe maybe losing some of the depth they did over the offseason small guys even like robin lopez has hurt them more than we thought I think I think I, I definitely thought Bobby Portis was going to be better this year. Um, and losing that depth did help them, hurt them. But I wonder if it might, I mean, I think we both talked about it. The George Hill is definitely missing yeah, out there. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, they've let, letting, go, letting go George Hill and Malcolm Brogdon in back-to-back seasons. Just, it, it, it hurts you regardless of what you get back. But maybe, maybe. Maybe they're they learned their lesson not fully exerting themselves in the regular season this year, and maybe they have their eyes set on the playoffs. That's but, another good point. If I had a thing to label the Milwaukee, they haven't struggled, by the way. They're still good, um, really good. Rather, they're probably the best team in the East. They've but, got um, the best defensive and offensive rating in the league right now. While we speak about it, but yeah, and they've had. It seems like every time I've seen them play, they've been playing against really good teams. Maybe strength of schedule has has to do, but just man, just still like the the Giannis at the end of games is is tough to me. It's tough to watch because I don't know where they go from here. They need another guy whose name's not Drew Holiday. I mean, yeah. Drew's great. He Middleton's been amazing. It's just but... more like Middleton's been amazing. Holiday's been good. Giannis has been really good. And they're sixteen and ten, and they're played well, but they're not closing games. It's like where it's, to me, it's more just like a where do they go from here? And I'm not, I'm not the guy to answer that. The only thing I would suggest is uh, another uh, Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer pointed this out. Uh, Chris Middleton has the best pick and roll shooting percentage in the league. He, I believe it. He is extremely effective and skilled there. I don't see why we don't finish these games off with the Chris Middleton, Giannis, uh, pick and pop pick. I mean, uh, pick and uh, roll to the, uh, roll to the rim. You have Chris Middleton for the shot. If you need to, you have a rim runner, maybe Brooke Lopez sitting around for a kick out. There's ways, but I feel like it's weird to say it, but Chris Middleton should be having the ball in his hands for those final shots. I'm in full agreement. Um, there's about 10 teams left to cover, but it feels tough because we're running to the end of time and we want to get to our window of the week. Really quickly, a couple teams whose moves stood out and a couple teams didn't. Um, the Sixer, uh, not worth mentioning. Um, the Suns had a great free agency. They got Crowder. 
Langston Galloway has been playing some great defense for them. Um, Frank Comiskey, Etwan Moore, Etwan Moore's uh, had a couple decent games. They've had a they had a really good one. Um, the Trailblazers, who got Harry Giles and Derek Jones Jr., who I initially thought were two great signings, uh, they're not working out great. Um, other than that, the Raptors okay because they got Bembry, Wananabe, no, Boucher, but but the big man is still an issue. And then the Jazz for reef signing Clarkson, and then getting Bring back, back Avery, yeah, I think was was a great. They had a great um, free agency period too. I think those are kind of all the teams I definitely wanted to mention. No, those final 10 teams there, there wasn't too many highlights. And just the one thing I want to hit on with the Jazz is all those guys now have been together for so long. I mean, Dirk Favors left, but before that, he was there forever. And I think that just shows in how good they've been playing this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's definitely a good sense of film familiarity um, between each other. Um, speaking about bad senses of film familiarity in the locker room, I think we're going to do um, not like le- players you'd le- least like to play with as in like ball hogs, but players you'd maybe least like to share locker room with. I think that's where we're going this week. Yeah, no, I mean, the locker room is an extremely important place and making sure it gels. I mean, I might be higher on this than most people, but team chemistry is, I think, maybe the most important part of... um of your team and making sure you have that locker room that has that sort of stability is essential to winning that, uh, to reaching that final goal. Yeah. I mean, if you're in the NBA, you're, if you're vying for a championship, you're playing more than a hundred games in a season. It's a lot of games, a lot of time to spend with other people. I also think not just teammates, but the way the coaching staff interacts with the locker room, super important. Um, I'll let you go first if you want. Yeah, no. So my thought way of this is that I don't think I think every guy, uh, for the most part, if put in a locker room that fits them well, can be a good player in that locker room. Uh So what I'm going to do here is try to draft the most toxic locker room available and just putting together guys that don't might not get along. Mm -hmm. Not saying they're bad guys or anything like that, just players that wouldn't mesh together for a championship run. So to start off this list, I'm going to pick uh, Matt Barnes. I think he's a great guy. Um, well, I, I don't know too much about him, but I think from what I've heard, he seems like a great guy. But as my picks go on, I think this will make more sense. Yeah, I mean, I'd put Derek Fisher ahead of Matt Barnes just for how that situation went. I think people like Matt Barnes. I don't know. I don't, I, I, mm. Oh, it's yeah, it's because my next pick was going to be Derek Fisher. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. Yeah, I'm just going to pick the the just worst dudes, in my opinion. Um, So you're at the top of any worst teammate list if you beat up on your much smaller boss. You're also at the top of the worst teammate list if you claim that $21 million is enough to feed your family. Uh, You're a bad teammate if you would rather retire than play for the NBA minimum salary, which is still more than 95% of the income of an individual living in the United States. You're a bad teammate if you threaten your, threaten your teammates with two-by-fours and weapons. You're a bad teammate if you actually get into a physical altercation with a teammate. You're a bad teammate if during a suspension you get charged for reckless driving and injuring two people in the process. Uh, you're a bad teammate if your name is Latrell Sprewell. That's, that's where I'm going first. I feel like it's the most obvious. He had one of the craziest four-year period it's in the NBA. I mean, whether it's choking your coach or claiming that $21 million is enough to feed your daughter, 
Um, crazy dude, crazy teammate. Don't think I'd want to share a locker room with him. No, I think I think you laid out a very solid case there for why you could make some people uncomfortable and make the locker room <laughs> an untenable situation. Yeah, no, you could make some people uncomfortable. That's a good way of putting it. Um, my second pick is going. I don't know how I'd play with the guy after, just based on morals and principles. Um, Tony Parker, Brent Barry, great guy. He's great on NBA TV. Um, I don't know. Just, a, just seems like a good, genuinely good dude. Um, Tony Parker had an affair. First of all, Tony Parker was with, I think, Ava Longoria at the time. Decided to have an affair on her um, with Aaron Barry, Brent Barry's wife. This is in the middle of like the Spurs winning championships. What else about Tony Parker? He's French. I don't like his accent. Um, but more just the the dude that like you don't do that. <laughs> Um, although I do think it was interesting how the Spurs decided to kind of keep him despite that action. It was a big deal at the time. Um, but yeah, I'm going Tony Parker just cause he seems like a scum to be honest. I mean, I don't back disparaging the French, but disparaging people are unlawful. I can get on board with, so I can get behind that pick. And for my next pick, I kind of already let the, uh, cat out of the barrel. It's Derek Fisher. There was a uh, dispute where, I mean, I don't think Derek Fisher, uh, it's an it's an interesting one, but essentially Matt Barnes drove many hours to go punch him in the face for being with his wife and hanging out with his kids. At the time, they were separated, so there wasn't any kind of existential marriage uh, crisis going on. But in terms of just an awkward situation in the locker room, I think it would be a bit weird to have those guys who had that beef. Nowadays, they set, they've... Uh, patched it up and they're happy because they're like he's happy that his kids uh, enjoy spending time with their stepfather now Derek and it's all worked out but in the locker room I think it might make things a little bit uncomfortable I'd agree with you that would probably make things uncomfortable um but from what I've heard I'm I'm team Matt Barnes on this they were separated as you thought as you are pointing out but Barnes and Fisher were together on a Lakers championship team um I think they played together somewhere else where either way. I think the story goes is that Burns was FaceTiming one of his kids who was with his mother at the time. And Derek Fisher was just like there. And he asked him if like, if this is a common thing. And the kid said, yeah, we see, we see Derek Fisher a lot. And I think Burns just got in his car and quite literally drove. I think it was like four hours, or eight hours, however much time to go see about his business. But yeah, I'm I'm Team Barnes on this one. I don't think Fisher was necessarily a scum. I, I wasn't there. I don't know the entire story, but yeah, I'm I'm Team Barnes. But putting him in the same locker room, I think yeah, that would definitely cause some tension. And I mean, just adding to the tension and another just intense guy. I mean, those are I mean, Matt Barnes, I don't think either of those guys are bad guys for that situation there might be a right or a wrong but as far as having an uncomfortable room that would create it and just to add a little more tension a guy who's known to uh speak up and be another fiery personality is kg i'd love to have him on my team i don't think he's reaches the bad guy list like any of the guys i don't think he should be labeled a bad guy like any of the guys on your list but as far as something might get stirred up in that locker room i think he could be in that area Mm-hmm. I mean, if you put KG in a Draymond and Draymond in a locker room, like I don't know if either guy is leaving that locker room alive. So from that standpoint, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you you've just been scouting out my whole draft here, haven't you? You got Basically. the uh, 
Oh, you're you're going with Draymond next just to have him compete with KG. A hundred percent. You should you should have done Draymond and KD, brother. That's already happened. I mean, yeah, that could have happened, but I think KD, if he's in, if there's too many fiery personalities in the room, we might not see his come out as much. But just, I'll just keep adding fuel to the fire in this situation. Yeah, why not? So I have two here. Uh, I was considering going your route and just picking Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenden. Not a lot of guys just straight up pull up weapons in the locker room, like as in guns. They did. Um, but I think I'm going to go two more just solid picks. AI, say what you want about him. Terrible, terrible, terrible teammate. Missed practices, missed the planes all the time. Um, allegedly, there's there's one really bad suspension where he um he was just missing like season ticket holder and team events because he said he just like he just took medication and fall asleep i think that's that was his excuse one time um got a bunch of coaches fired he was a terrible teammate i don't think there was any great player um super lovable guy apparently um Probably great a supporter of the new generation of basketball. Mm-hmm. Bad teammate, though. He also just refused to come off the bench. Just a bad teammate. Um, I don't want to, like, over... I like AI, though, though. There's no need to overblast him. The next one, which kind of goes back to the Tony Parker thing. And I don't think he's a bad guy for it, but I do think he's a bad teammate for it. So, allegedly, um, when Jason Kidd was on the Mavericks with... Uh, what's his name? The, the Dirk years. Uh, Michael Finley would have also been there. Um, Jim Jackson was there as well. And I think the story just quite simply goes that Tony Braxton, the R&B singer, was staying at the same hotel as them. And I think, again, the story goes I wasn't there. (laughs) Nor have I talked to Jason Kidd, Tony Braxton, or Jim Jackson about it. story goes Jason Kidd and her were um, had agreed to spend time together. And she ended up spending time with Jim Jackson. Um, anyways, Kid asked for a trade, and, and they played it down at the time because it was more like a big story because Braxton was super popular in, in the media, not even Kid and Jim Jackson. But they, I think Kid and Jim Jackson played it down, but it ended up being that Kid asked, demanded a trade that offseason or later that season, probably because he wasn't too happy. So, again, it's like the Jim Jackson's a bad teammate, not because of his actions but imagine what if jason kidd had stayed right what if jason kidd had stayed in dallas and and done the dirk and stayed with dirk and those guys we could have seen a championship there a lot faster but we didn't and it's probably because jim jackson i mean it almost feels like we've been gossiping over these uh guys and with that being said these are just merely speculative picks based off the paparazzi yeah, so I'm sure these guys could end up being great guys in the end. but And with my team, I'm sure they all could be. But as far as creating an untenable situation that will make it more difficult to win a championship, I think we both did a pretty good job with our lists. Uh-huh. Go into, go into Draymond more. I want to I hear you talk about Draymond. I'm always for people talking about Draymond. I think, I think Draymond is a good teammate. But I do too. In... I think he's actually a great teammate because he's willing. And I think he was right in the KD situation, honestly. And that's what one of the other reasons I didn't pick KD because he just called it out as it was. And KD wasn't ready for that. He wasn't ready for it to be aired out. And Draymond, 
I think just he's another one of those guys who'll just add a spark to the fire. All those guys in the room aren't afraid to say what they say, uh, aren't afraid to say their mind. And uh, I mean, I think it could have a positive effect. Maybe that would all bring each other together and ignite it. But there's definitely going to be a story throughout the season of some sort of drama, maybe some sort of fight in a practice. I don't know. But verbal altercation, there's going to be something with that team. While it might bring them together or push them apart, that's would will never be seen and yet to be foretold. Yeah, it's always a it's always a fun time when you got Draymond kicking around. Something's going to happen. But with that being said, I hope your situation you guys in aren't as bad as any of these locker rooms we've drafted. I hope you guys are having a great weekend and spending it spending this family day weekend with the people you love and the people who support you and doing that at a uh, safe distance because we're still at the red zone here in Waterloo. I believe you guys have opened up to green. But, you know, I hope everybody has a great fit. Yeah. So I hope everybody has had a great family day weekend spending time with their loved ones. You are listening to The Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. Have a great morning. And you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 FM. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addicton in offering confidential quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388.